I wish I could put my fist through the tall clouds of Utah. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, in case you forgot, because it's been so long since you've heard from us. (laughs) And I'm joined by your other host, the lovely Abby. Hello. What up? (laughs) I'm very excited. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm I'm excited to be back, but then also at the same time, it's like, learning how to crawl again like yeah. I don't remember how to podcast no not at all I like didn't even know how to get in the right room for discord I was like I can't hear you oh I'm not in the <laughs> recording room that's why <laughs> okay we're here now yes I'm also drinking tequila so maybe that didn't help I thought you were much. drinking vodka no I'm drinking tequila white claw and orange juice <laughs> oh I thought you said vodka <laughs> I don't like vodka <laughs> I'll drink it but yeah, I don't own any vodka. Yeah, it's not my favorite either. Yeah, just potato water. Um, <laughs> Russian potato water. Um, so hi. Um, hi. it's been so long. How I are know. you? How have you been? I'm good. <clears throat> I'm good. Like you know, stressed with work, and today was a day where I got gorilla glue all over my hands because I work with children. Oh, that sounds so. Fun. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so there's gorilla glue all over my hands right now so that's kind of where my life is at <laughs> I saw that you made slime the other day that's exciting I did I made slime <laughs> for the first time I had a kiddo um we were talking about you know like coping skills and stuff like that and for a lot of kids right now it's fidgets yeah um which I am a huge fan of fidgets um I think it's great for kids to have something to do with their hands so if like you're a parent and your kids are like I want fidgets like try it out um she was talking about how much she likes to make slime I'm like I've never made it and so she showed me how to do it and it was really fun my desk was a mess <laughs> oh I'm sure god my my friends kids make slime all the time like every day I'm like mm-hmm. how, how do you guys do yeah. this all the time it's crazy um my therapist's new office I think there's a child psychologist that works in the same office sometimes because there's a mm-hmm. box of sand in the oh. corner with like like little toys like uh-huh. sand castle building toys yeah. and I have totally played with the sand during therapy just because mm-hmm. I was like oh can I play with that and my therapist is like yeah sure <laughs> yeah like if I have parents in for like when their kids are getting an assessment like and I pull out the my fidget bins like parents want to play with that shit too oh yeah for sure I have yeah. friends that play with like Play-Doh and stuff when they watch mm-hmm. stressful TV shows so they don't pull their eyelashes out. <laughs> I'll play with Play-Doh when we podcast sometimes. Oh, that's funny. Because I need something to do with my hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just move my my mouse around a lot so my computer doesn't go to sleep. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I literally just like move the mouse back and forth. <laughs> like, that I, can... I was wondering why all of a sudden like things were going wild in our notes. Yeah, I just like move the cursor around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, my screen goes to sleep, and then I can't see the notes, and I'm like freak out that it's gonna like totally go to sleep, and I'm gonna have to log back into Google. It's a whole thing, so this is how I prevent it. <laughs> yeah. My fidgeting. Anyway, uh... how is moving? Oh God, um, it was terrible, but it's almost done. Yay. Um, we just have to do the garage, which is mostly Billy's stuff. So I kind of don't 
have to do anything else but mm. we're kind of unpacking our apartment is like way too big for us we don't have enough stuff to <laughs> fill it up which is a good problem to have uh-huh. um but now I'm like oh I need all this new furniture but I don't have any money to get it so mm. so yeah <laughs> more space for me to come visit exactly <laughs> I told Billy more space for more cats and he vetoed <gasps> that but Billy there is we space for to, more cats. Right? <laughs> we need to complete our triforce of matching cats. I know. We need a little gray tuxedo cat. Yep. He's being very rude Damn. about it. Damn it, Billy. He's not even home ever. Like, he works a lot. <laughs> I would be the one that'd be home with the cat. Like, he wouldn't even have to worry about it. Whatever. Right. Um, one of the biggest pluses of moving back to Long Beach is that my parents live like three blocks away from us. Oh, that's and, nice. And my dad has been bringing me salmon sashimi once a week. Oh, and my sister, my sister has like 30 chickens. And so I've been getting like two dozen fresh eggs a week as well. So that's awesome. Um, I totally would move back in my with my parents if I could. But this is uh, pretty, yeah. pretty OK. It's close enough. <laughs> Dude, I miss living with my parents. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, when I go to visit them and, like, they just take care of me, I'm like, whoa. I go over to my dad's, or I used to go over to my dad's for lunch, like, when I was working, and he would make me lunch, like, all the time. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, like call me hash or, like, eggs or, like, a salad or something. I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. And then I go home with a bunch of fruit and, like, frozen fish and, like, random uh-huh. shit. Because that's how Asian parents tell you they love you. Exactly. <laughs> if they cut fruit for you, they love you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and kind of the other best thing about this new place is that we have air conditioning. So I don't have to <gasps> podcast in a pool of sweat anymore. Yay. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a dishwasher. So three great things. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's I've good. Ne- I've never had a dishwasher ever. <sighs> Dude, yeah. a dishwasher is a depression game changer. It really is. Like, I feel like I can eat more things. Yeah. Like, I can cook right? at home more, even though I was already kind of doing that. But I feel more confident about it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have as many dishes to clean up. Exactly. And they can just go in the dishwasher. And I don't have to see them. Exactly. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, well, it's good. I'm glad. So I can be freezing cold and I can be wrapped up in blankets in bed, like when it's 85 mm-hmm. degrees outside and be in a mm-hmm. little depression hole. And I don't have to worry about doing dishes ever. It's great. Beautiful. And I get salmon delivered to my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Uh, so, yeah, life is pretty good. And mm-hmm. it's also stressful, but it's good. Yeah. Well, you know. Um. So I guess Star Wars is a thing. I don't know. Is it? I haven't been paying attention. No. <laughs> I was just saying that just before we started, I'm like, did I get all of the news? Because I feel like I've been disassociating for like two weeks uh, and not paying attention to anything Star Wars. Yeah, I literally only know about Resistance news, everything else. I'm like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a thing. That's new to me. So why don't yeah. you go through the news since you're the one who did the sure. research and actually looked sure. it up. <laughs> yeah, usually usually before we, we pod, I'll go to StarWars.com. That's a good and idea. scroll through the news. Um, but the first bit of news that at least I actually paid attention to um, is a new book is coming out called The Secrets of the Jedi. It's by Mark Sumerak. Um, he's new to the Star Wars universe, and it is coming out on November 19th. And so basically this book is the history of the Jedi Order as told by Luke Skywalker. Interesting. Yeah. 
I thought I it was kind of neat. I love Jedi Order shit, like, in a, in a mm-hmm. bad way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like to judge them. <laughs> oh, same. Oh, so same. This, this is kind of cool. I'm yeah. excited about this, actually. They showed a couple of um, pictures of some of the pages. It's on the StarWars.com website. Um, and basically, it's, like, little blurbs. Like, especially for um, Jedi that Luke didn't know personally so like prequel era jedi um and then it's a little more in depth when like he's talking events of the last jedi um but like i was like yeah cool okay like i'll probably check this book out if people give it a good review um and then the thing that was like holy fuck i want this book is literally the smallest sentence like Ah ahsoka gets her own blurb but the thing that got me was Ahsoka Tano was my father, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. And I was like, oh my god, he knows who Ahsoka is! He knows who Ahsoka is! And I think I sat and stared at that for like 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, I just need it for that one sentence. Oh, That one sentence. My god. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is going to be a comic. I was thinking this is going to be a book. No, it's a book. Okay, he's just a comic writer. Yeah, so this okay. is his first foray into Star Wars gotcha. book writing. I'm on his Wikipedia because I was like, what else has he written? And then it's like all, all mm. comics. And there's one line on his Wikipedia that says, Simarak has stated that one of his main influences was the time he spent working as a costume character at SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was costume characters at SeaWorld. I didn't either. <laughs> like, what are they? Like... Sandy the shark and <laughs> Shamu. <laughs> I just had to share that. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Um, oh my god! But yeah, I feel like that'll be a cool. I feel like it would end up being like a coffee table book, which I love a good coffee table book. Um, but yeah, I might check it out. Oh yeah, I'm for sure gonna check that out. I love that yeah. shit. Yeah. Just for the Ahsoka line. <laughs> like, right. That's all I care about. Oh my God. Can you imagine him telling her story like about how she left? She oh, he talks about that. Fuck. He talks about that in the blurb. I was oh like, God. <laughs> Oh, I bet he has feelings about that. Capital oh. F. See this and this all supports like my oh, fanfics that I've been writing in my head for years. Of, like, Luke and Leia meeting Ahsoka. This only feels it. What if Ahsoka is, like, a, like, huge hero to Luke because of, like, how Yay! she left the Order because she saw through all the bullshit and that's why he's like, oh, the Jedi have to die. I'm going to cry. I am too. How dare you? I'm sorry. I just love them so much. <laughs> I've only had, like, four sips of my wine and I'm already going to cry. Sorry, this is we haven't podcasted in a while. So I know all the feelings are gonna come out all at once. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I got my period today. So I just found food on my shirt. So <laughs> like crust, crusted rice on my shirt. Please so keep this great. all in. <laughs> Don't worry, I will. We're a hot mess today. <laughs> okay, speaking of things kind of being a hot mess. Um. Resistance season two is coming out on October 6th and they announced that season two will be the final season and people were capital U upset. 
which I understand because oh, 100%. like don't market your show, put it at weird times where kids can't watch it at like 10 PM on a Sunday night and right. then cancel it after two seasons. And it's like the most diverse show yeah. that's ever been a part of the star war. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually we had gotten a question emailed to us from hope asking us about our feelings about, you know, resistance being canceled and it being one of the most diverse things to ever come out of star Wars. And basically, Sorry, I burped. Basically, <laughs> our too long didn't read answers that we're fucking pissed about it. Yeah. Like, um, we still haven't even watched Resistance because we're lazy and depressed. But, like, you can look at that show and be like, it's a diverse cast of characters. And it's garbage that we're getting rid of it. And it's voiced by diverse yeah. voice actors. It's not voiced by a bunch of white people. Right. playing, like, people of color, which is right. common. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. It There's this whole thing with the, like, live action remakes with Disney right now where it's like, mm. they're, they don't think of animation as its own art form, it seems like. Like, obviously, yeah. there's, like, the Pixar arm of Disney that they take animation seriously, but why can't 2D animation be taken seriously, too? Oh. Mm-hmm. And it really bothers me that, like, there's like this, first of all, there's this remake culture in Disney right now, ma- remaking all of these like classic Disney movies that are excellent and should stay in animated form. Like mm-hmm. as as happy as I am to have, what's her name as the Little Mermaid, like we really don't need to be making the Little Mermaid into a live action show yeah. <laughs> or a live action movie. Like that's right. kind of meant to be animated. And I kind of felt the same way about Lion King. Oh yeah, it wasn't that good. I didn't watch it. We um, went and saw it, and, like, I mean, it was nice, but, like, I walked out of that being, like, I literally just want to go watch regular Lion King now. Right? And also Lion King 2. Because <laughs> the music slaps in Lion King Oh, my King God. Too. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I'm going to have to watch it again. Um, You have to wa- rewatch it, because Kovu was my sexual awakening. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Well, before we get off too off the rails with yeah. Lion King 2 and your sexual awakening and <laughs> whatever else you're talking about, um, yeah, I'm pissed. Um, it kind of feels like, oh, we checked a diversity box mm-hmm. and now we can move on to other things, mm-hmm. which annoys me. Fuck you. There's no box. Yeah. Well, that's my I mean, cynical, you know. Yeah. <laughs> self well and i've kind of i've given up being optimistic about lucasfilm like i'm just i'm over it yeah i am too i um i'm always excited when these like like i'm really excited for mandalorian and how great and diverse that seems but at the same time uh very cautiously optimistic because of shit like this but we'll have to start watching this um yeah so maybe we can talk about season two (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, it, when it's out or when yeah. it's coming out yeah uh, maybe we can watch like half of it because how many episodes is it it's not many. Ooh, i don't know is it like 20 episodes or is it like 10 let's see resistance season one it is 20 oh that's one. a lot so it's like a but normal I, th- I think they're all half hour though or like 20 minutes right yeah. maybe we could do like half and then just talk about everything that happens in half the season and then do another half. That'd be a good idea. 
because I don't really want to go episode by episode. That's no, that's too much. I already have a podcast where I do that. It's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So we could do like one through 10 and then 11 through 21. Yeah. Something like that. Cool. Okay. Let's try. Don't mind us. We're planning on the pod. We're, we're just planning here. Let's let's write that in the the, the notes here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> notice. Maybe after this drink, this very large drink, I won't remember that we said that. Um, okay, everybody's talking about this Obi Wan thing. Yeah. What is it? I I don't know. Like I just I kept seeing again. Like remember, like I disassociated for like two weeks and didn't pay attention to Star Wars, but like in the periphery. Yeah. I saw, like, people being like, oh, my God, there's an Obi-Wan TV show coming to Disney+. Plus. Like, you and McGregor did this, that, and the other thing. And, like, Variety was reporting on it. Um, but nothing's been confirmed by Lucasfilm. Right. Um, and I'm not a person who's like, well, if it's not from the mouth of Lucasfilm, it doesn't exist. Like, yeah. But at the same time, like. We've gone through this before. Because <laughs> <laughs> this has been announced like four times now. You're right. And so like, I, it, at this point, specifically with an Obi-Wan TV show, I will believe it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I so. feel that way about Obi-Wan and Boba Fett, anything at this point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Although I, I saw stuff where it's like Obi- or Obi-Wan, or um, Ewan McGregor. He's just Obi-Wan in my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. Ewan McGregor would be, like, producing it or directing or something like that, too. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, Have you ever watched um, Long Way Round? I have not. So, Ewan McGregor is a big motorcycle guy. And, of course, Mm. Billy is, too. And so, him and this guy go, like, around the world on motorcycles. And Ewan McGregor is not... Like his personality is not what I expected to be it to be based on himself as an actor. He's no, kind of, he's kind of whiny. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah. like, I guess you know, it's like a difficult situation to be like riding through like Central Asia where there's like no paved roads on motorcycles mm-hmm. and like a chase truck, and like no one speaks English. But and it's a reality show. But Mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of kind of ruined him for me. I was I had like a big crush on him, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm into you anymore. But I, as as Obi, uh, he'll mm. always have my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, cancel resistance and make a white man centered mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah, I'm over white men. I love Obi Wan. Don't get me wrong. I always want more of him, but do we really need this story? Like when we could have something else? Like, I feel like Obi-Wan's story is complete to me. It has a clear arc. It has a clear start and finish. And I know that there's like that 19 year gap in between Revenge of the Sith and um, A New Hope. But like how much can you tell yeah. of Obi-Wan sitting in the desert alone? If it were more of like examining obi-wan's mental health i'd be super into that but at that point like i feel like that'd be better suited as a book right yeah so and obi-wan's been done as a book many times yeah and they're they're great Mm -hmm. but i don't know can't let shit go (laughs) who imagine that star wars fans can't let shit go (laughs) and now the fans are making shit in star wars so here we go yeah yeah, oh, that, that's what this really is. <laughs> so uh, D23 is this weekend. 
Oh, yeah. And I've heard rumors that those who are going will get some cool Rise of Skywalker stuff. And then I got mad because, like, from what I have seen from other people is, like, they will be taking phones before the Star Wars panel and whatnot. And so something tells me that they're going to get to see some Rise of Skywalker stuff, whether that's a trailer or some behind the scenes stuff. This wouldn't be the first time that Disney has done this. <laughs> they did that with Rogue One with some behind the scenes stuff, but that ended up leaking anyway. Yeah. Um, and they It'll did that leak. with, yeah. And they did that with the Infinity War trailer. Oh yeah. That's oh right. no, no, that was at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, they had released it at Comic-Con and then didn't show the rest of the world for a long time, but it leaked anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really frustrating and I can't remember who and I feel bad, but somebody made a really good point about how like this is very much so Disney engaging in classism because yeah. not everybody can afford to go to D23 and it's garbage that they get to block the general public from getting to see their content like this. Yeah, and they don't stream panels at all anyway, so no. it's not like we could even watch, like, the discussion going on before they show the, like, whatever footage they show. Right. Which sucks. I don't know, um, kind of along the lines of news, we should probably announce this officially, even though it's been a couple weeks, mm. um, the Star Wars Rep Matters website is live. Yeah. And I don't know if we have anyone going, which sucks. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of who's going that they could report back on what they saw and sneak sneak some footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't mention who I think, who I'm thinking of, but because <laughs> they get in trouble and get banned from the con. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that sucks. But anyway, um, that's lame. But What's not lame is that swrepmatters.com is live and you should go check yeah. it out. <laughs> and we are both writers for the site, even though I've only written yep. one thing. I have um, not written anything yet. So. <laughs> that's totally fine. I'm um, stressed and small and tired. Um, yeah, same. And uh, there hasn't been like a ton of news that's come up either. I think there's been like two things. So whatever. Mm. But yeah, go check it out. Um, We have expanded our staff. If you're interested in becoming a contributor or helping out in any way with like web design or a podcast or um, any kind of graphic design for like merch, contact us at, I think it's contact at swripmatters.com. Let us know if you're interested. We're always looking for trying to expand the team, trying to make this like a real thing, official. Um, But yeah, I can't believe we did it. Like, we pulled that together in, like, two weeks. It was crazy. I know. It's very exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it was very exciting. All right. We got to talk about this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's dumb. Mm Mm-hmm. And we got to put our fist through it. Uh Uh-huh. So, Dragon Con panel. Mm Mm-hmm. Titled, Radicalism, Resistance, and Rebellion in Star Wars. Who exactly are the bad guys? <laughs> Join us as we have a discussion on how both the Rebels and the Empire could equal be, equally be the villains of Star Wars, depending on who's telling the story and exploiting its propaganda value. I feel mm. icky. Um, there's a certain white man that's behind this, I believe, that works in politics and media. Or is at least a part of this. 
Oh, okay. I don't know anyone else that's on this panel except for this one. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if this person had pitched the panel or whatnot, but I, they are a panelist at least. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. So this is the, like, both sides mm-hmm. argument. Are we doing, like, a Charlottesville as both sides, too? Mm-hmm. There were bad people and good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So this is going to play into a future question <laughs> that uh-huh. a listener gave us about Israel, which, oh, mm-hmm. hot damn, going right to yeah, it. Yeah, seriously. Um, but I was excited because I just finished this book called, it's called My Promised Land, The Triumph and Tragedy of Israel by uh, Ari Shavit. Mm-hmm. And he is an Israeli journalist who's very prominent in the anti-occupation movement in Israel. He's very leftist. Um, and so this book was him taking a very hard look at the state of Israel, how it started, Zionism and its role in starting basically the state of Israel as being an occupying colonizing state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now there's a whole like black and white issue with like Palestinians and um, Oriental uh, Jews coming in from other countries in Africa and the Middle East. And it's a whole thing. And this book was very hard to read for many reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But he, the author really did do like his journalist due diligence and trying just to ask questions like open ended things like, and didn't try to like, really necessarily lead you to an answer. Most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he said this one thing about how the people who are involved in um, occupying Palestinian land are these Israeli people. They're good guys, but they're just doing bad things. Um, The state of Israel has good intentions. They're trying to, you know, give people who have historically been traumatized and rejected from other societies a home, but they're doing bad things. And it's like all these situations and all these people are actually good, but it's turning into something bad. And so how collectively can everyone be good doing bad things and it's a bad thing Mm -hmm. like how where does where is that transition from you're a good person to you're a bad person when you're doing a bad thing even though you're Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in this system within this state this occupying state that is also like an oppressed part of an oppressed people like it's Mm -hmm. it's complicated Mm -hmm. but just that question that he brought up really like resonated with me and I feel that this kind of relates with like the empire like there's a lot of good people in the empire like we think of like Ray Sloan and Sienna Ree and like all these yeah like all these imperial that are and um what's her name Iden Versio and Mm -hmm. like all these imperials that we like as characters and we know that like they're good people. They just want order and they respect like trying to make the galaxy a better place because it's like a centralized government and blah, blah, blah. And they have a further reach and more resources and things like that. But the empire is a bad thing (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's oppressing people. Um, So like, where does that, where do you make that distinction? And 
how do you determine if individuals are bad versus like their collective group that they become is bad? I think that individuals can be good. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point. Um, But I think collectively, if they're all working towards something that's bad, it's bad. (laughs) But then at the same time, like, like we can look at individuals, like, especially let's take Erica Quell, for example. Right. Like her sole purpose of joining the empire was to get trained and defect. Yeah. Um, But just ended up staying because she started to believe in some of the things that the empire was, you know, like protecting people. Just, you know, it's hard to leave. Yeah, you get comfortable. <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, like, objectively, Erica Quell is a good person. But then how how much do you hold them accountable for their for being complicit in an evil empire? I think they need to be held accountable. Yeah. So, like, there can be good yeah. people within that empire, but being like, <laughs> you still did a shitty thing. Yeah. And then on, I know what this panel is have, wanting to have the discussion of is the rebels as terrorists, because I mm-hmm. hear that a lot in political circles. And I know I've said that at least once in a podcast somewhere, because if you're on the imp- imperial side, that's what that looks like. They look like terrorist cells, even though they're for, like essentially freedom fighters fighting mm-hmm. for freedom. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like the discussion that we had with Annalise, like about mm-hmm. What is it? Content versus process? Yes. Or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, this content is fictional. Like, sure, parallels can be made to like real life and like like, or um, art imitates life, but it's still fictional content. But but at the same time, like the fictional content is still a reflection on our real world. Yeah. But it's not like as if everyone that loves the empire is a Nazi type of thing. Oh, of course. And it's not as if everyone that's a rebel is a terrorist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because that's, that's, that's crossing that line of like fiction versus reality. Like you can still have mm-hmm. discussions within that, but mm-hmm. I just, I'm uncomfortable with the discussion around the rebels as being a terrorist cell because mm-hmm that places the empire in the role of world power, which the U.S. is. Mm -hmm. And very commonly when the U.S. is at war in places like the Middle East or South America or Southeast Asia, these peoples that we're fighting against or these organizations that we're fighting against are often seen as terrorists or Mm -hmm. or freedom fighters. Um, and that's kind of equating the rebellion to what some of those groups are doing and not, I mean, some of those groups have a legitimate reason to be fighting, uh, mm-hmm. against imperialist U.S., <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, stepping in and trying to maintain some kind of dictatorship or whatever type of rulership that they're trying to put, keep in place that benefits the U.S. economically usually, or, mm-hmm. um, in some type of um, political way. And I just think there's that us versus them mentality with that. And it, it's just gross because mm-hmm. it can be more complicated than that. And I think Rogue One did a really good job of like making it more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Without making, without painting the rebellion as terrorists. I think at the end of the day, like this 
panel, the discussion of this panel is a, a very nuanced one or should be treated as a nuanced one. There's a lot of gray area. Um, and I think though, I don't know everybody who is a panelist. However, um, to my knowledge, everyone on that panel is white and a male, except for possibly one person that that's concerning. Yeah. Um, when this kind of nuanced of a conversation is happening between <clears throat> five or six white people who have only known privilege and have only lived in an imperialist country, um, having these kinds of conversations about anti-imperialism and radicalism and resistance and some of them not giving a rat's ass about it. Yeah, like the civil rights movement was considered radicalist. Like, right. right. Um, context is everything. And yeah. so could the women's rights movement, the queer mm-hmm. queer rights movement. All of those things were radical. Mm-hmm. So I, I think part of my aversion is personal. Let's be real here that <laughs> I do know some of the people who are going to be panelists and take issue with their views and the way they try to get them across and their willingness to shut down other people to make sure that those their views are heard and the ones that count. So... I think also this person that you're talking about has a track record of <laughs> talking over people who mm-hmm. have expertise <laughs> in whatever the topic is that's being discussed. And this is like mm-hmm. via Twitter, obviously. But mm-hmm. like, and I mean, this is just because I've listened to this person's podcast in the past where he's talked over women of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, A million times, yeah. And... I mean, the way the podcast was set up was he was supposed to be like a kind of a dissenting point of view. It was like a, a left and a right type of thing. And um, I get that he's trying to present a different side. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but your side is predominantly white and male and mm-hmm. cis. Like there's someone that's you asked to be a guest on your podcast because they have expertise and you're still talking over them. Mm-hmm. Which I have a huge problem with. Or attempting to frame discussions in a way that you know the other person is going to be at a disadvantage. Um, or just it sounds condescending. Mm-hmm. Specifically so that way your opinion comes across as correct and right and the other person ends up sounding like an idiot. Yeah, or just irrational. Mm-hmm. Despite yep. them knowing what they're talking about. Yep. But that's none of my <laughs> business. <clears throat> Mine either. (laughs) (laughs) This discussion definitely needs to happen on a panel, Mm -hmm. not on Twitter, in a podcast setting. Maybe we should talk about it. Um, I mean, we just kind of did. But um, I I definitely feel the same way that you do. This is interesting. Let's put our fists through some other shit. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're taking it easy this week. Actually, I don't even know if we're taking it easy because that was a really... Yeah, we didn't discussion really about like Israel and like terrorism and like imperialism and rad- radicalism. So I guess we're just going in hard again, as <laughs> usual. Um, but we decided to do a Q&A episode. So uh, Abby reached out to you all on Twitter because I did not do this. <laughs> 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 Obviously absent from the Internet for a couple of weeks. Um, and you guys asked us a bunch of questions so mm-hmm. we're gonna go through and read oh wow there are a lot of questions there are a lot of the questions. entire alphabet 
A, B, C through Y. You didn't, you couldn't yeah. find a Z? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I suck. Actually, Which... I do have a Z because I have a question that we're oh. going to do at the end. Okay. So we have 26 questions. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Thank you. I know. Excellent. All right. And some of them are like really meaty and then some of them are like really goofy and I really appreciate that. I do too. I don't know if I can answer some of these questions, to be honest, because mm. I just don't know. But um, we'll see. Uh, the first question is from Dandy. What's your opinion on how information should be released? Like, should everything be hush-hush? Are teaser trailers worth it? Do we get enough info versus not enough? I'm assuming this is about, like, marketing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? I am a person who likes content, but not mm. too much content. Mm. Um. Like, I <clears throat> love a teaser trailer and love some TV spots. And I feel like right now I'm kind of being failed in regards to uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Because um, basically all we've gotten was the teaser trailer at Celebration and the Vanity Fair article. Yeah, I'm starving. Which, yeah, <laughs> I need something. Like, Lynn from Sapphic Skywalkers was like, do you guys remember that Rise of Skywalker is coming out this year? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. And it, so, like, in that regard, like, I want more. And I'm not a huge fan of, like, the JJ Mystery Box kind of thing. Like, I like some things being, you know, secretive. Like, that's cool to get a surprise. But at the end of the day, like, I just fucking want something. <laughs> yeah. A poster. Something. Yeah. Oh, a poster would be lovely. A poster. Some art like some concept art like mm -hmm. literally anything like concept art's easy yeah. <laughs> like yeah it doesn't even have to be in the film right yeah I am feeling starved for content and a little selfishly just because we do have a Star Wars podcast yeah um and I would like something to talk about and to kind of I mean we don't do speculation but we can do like a little speculation or at least like mm -hmm. just scream about stuff and just yeah. be excited and when we don't get content we start talking about deep stuff but also porn which <laughs> is great but also I would like to talk about new Star Wars as well or, or upcoming Star Wars because I want to be excited and I want people listening yeah. to be excited as well with us like that's kind yeah. of the fun part about being a fan and being in a fandom is like this anticipation with other people like I, I miss being excited about Star Wars yeah, I have. I feel like I haven't been excited about Star Wars in forever, like since Celebration, to be honest. Since Celebration, yeah. Like you, you get these like little peaks of like, oh, Luke talks about Ahsoka in this new book. Like that's exciting, and then it's like, okay, that's not enough to sustain me for more than a couple hours. Exactly. <laughs> like I miss being excited about Star Wars, and yeah. I want to be, want to tweet about it again. Yeah. And like I want to get back to a place where I'm like, I have to read Star Wars fanfic right now. You know, like yeah. I miss that. I can only watch Clone Wars so many times. I say that, but I'll just keep <laughs> watching it forever. And I can only live tweet Rogue One so many times. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm happy to do, but I'm sure my followers are getting sick of me re uh, live tweeting Rogue One. Yeah. Um, because it's the same shit every time. <laughs> I love this part. This part's great. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Oh Tarkin. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh. Oh my God. Um. Cassian. No, uh, white suit. Krennic? Thank you. What the fuck oh is wrong with my me? <laughs> How could I forget Ben Mendelsohn's character? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm drinking tequila. Okay. Um, 
This is how out of the loop in Star Wars that I've been. Yeah. I can't even remember Krennic's fucking name. So this next one is from our friend Charlie over at, at Imperial Senate Pod, and he asks, is there a character in one of the mediums you'd most like to see adapted into live action? If so, who and why? Ray Sloan and Sienna Ree. I think both mm-hmm. of them, because they're both fascinating black women, first of all, mm-hmm. and they're both Imperial officers. So it's like, ooh, there's a story there. That's interesting. Yeah. I would really like to see Dr. Afra. Yes. I feel like she would grip audiences like no other. Oh, there's I they have to do a Disney Plus show with her. And I really yeah. hope that they get Chloe Bennett to play her because I I've never read Afra, but everything that I know about Afra, her being like sassy and like having this kind of like dark, chaotic sense of humor and just kind of mm-hmm. being a big mess, like Chloe Bennett would kill that. Yeah. <laughs> and she has like action experience in television and you know she's been on a long-running marvel show she's already worked with disney and abc like Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like she would really draw audiences in and she's also like super fucking lesbian so yeah like give me that (laughs) shit on screen (laughs) yeah that would be amazing to have afra on screen like for everyone to see Mm mm-hmm just put her in a movie. Just do it. Yeah, do it. Uh, Talk Jar Jar to me asks, I love The Last Jedi, but Ryan Johnson said he wants to film his trilogy in Israel. Oh, here's this question. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he'll do it? How do you think the Star Wars community or the world in general would react? So, <laughs> okay. I am anti-Zionism. I will just put mm-hmm. that out there. I'm very much against the state of Israel as an occupying element, um, pushing out Palestinians mm-hmm. and colonizing and basically put them in freaking camps. And it's ridiculous. Like, hello, did, did you forget that the Holocaust happened? Like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? Um, and the fact that it's a lot of European Jews that have, you know, did the whole Zionist movement in the first place. And now like all the Brown Jews are trying to come live there and they're living in poverty and are not benefiting from the state of Israel as, you know, like this democratic state that they intended it to be the socialist democratic state that they intended it to be Mm -hmm. um, coming over here, Um, which is lame. So it's like a whole classist, like colorism, like racial thing as well. And it really bothers me. And Mm -hmm. I feel very uncomfortable um, with Ryan Johnson wanting to film in Israel. Like California has very similar landscapes and climate to Israel. Like go film it in California, (laughs) like or Oregon. (laughs) Like why do you have to film it there? I'm sure they're going to give him a big tax break because Israel does that. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I think uncomfortable is a good word for my thoughts on that. <laughs> um, and I'm in agreement with everything Jess said. Um, yeah. And I'll be honest, like, I, I'm i not as um, well-educated or in, as well-read in um, the issues that are going on with Israel as I should be, or as I'd like to be, rather. Um, but I do know enough to say that it would make me incredibly uncomfortable for Ryan Johnson to try and go through with this um, because of the human rights disaster that is the state government of Israel. 
Yeah. And like as a disclaimer, I'm not Jewish. You're not, not Jewish. Me either. Like <laughs> I have no idea what it's like to be Jewish, obviously. <laughs> um and I so I have I have very little idea of what that kind of um, generational trauma is like. I have some mm-hmm. kind of idea because my family also went through um, a very uh, racially charged time in the United States with <laughs> Japanese immigrants um, and Japanese citizens, but like millions of Japanese people were not wiped out just yeah. for being who they are. Like, that's there's no comparison there and not to compare traumas but mm-hmm. um I, I so this book that I was reading um the author went and talked to a lot of millennial Jews and he was seeing the same trend that they want and love the idea of a state of Israel and having a home mm-hmm. and a country and a place to call their origin but they're very uncomfortable with what the state of Israel is doing. And so I, it made me feel a little bit better that at least like I'm not Mm -hmm. being completely blind to (laughs) issues that I don't understand maybe that, um, that other, you know, Jewish people, my age, our age, like feel the same way They They feel like it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's a mess. I, Mm -hmm. I feel that, but but at the same time you think about, the type of jobs that it would bring to maybe like some brown Jewish people mm-hmm. <laughs> in the state of Israel, like if they went and filmed there, like, or maybe even Palestinians. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I doubt that that would be a thing, but yeah, I, it's, a, it's the same thing with like filming in Georgia, like all of the laws that they pass. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, the film industry wants to boycott filming there, but there's like a lot of people that benefit like from, working in the film industry that need that work that live in Georgia because they can't afford to live in California. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Just fuck capitalism, man. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a fucking fantastic question. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Like that. Who boy. (laughs) I know. I always, I always feel really uncomfortable talking about Israel on Twitter because a lot of Jewish friends and I don't necessarily know exactly where they stand on the state of Israel. I know a lot of them don't like Netanyahu and that's one thing. Like I don't like Trump, but obviously I live in America. Like you cannot mm-hmm. like your president and and you know criticize them but still be very patriotic. And but I just I mean like I also don't agree with a lot of stuff that America does and I'm American right. and I consider I'm I guess I'm patriotic cuz I believe in the people that live here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I don't know. It's just not a conversation that I've ever wanted to have on Twitter. So I don't really talk about it there. So it's very interesting that this person asked this question. It's like they knew that I was like doing a lot of reading on this and thinking about it. (laughs) It's like, how did you know? Yeah. Huh. Are you friends with me on Goodreads? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a great question. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Our next question is from Shauna. And she asked, how do you feel about Star Wars video games or books becoming movies or TV shows? I personally am excited for a Knights of the Old Republic adaptation, but I know some people aren't as jazzed. I would be excited about a KOTOR adaptation just because we haven't really done like that far back Old Republic, like mm. live action or anything on screen other than video games. Um, the books, I kind of feel like the way that Lucasfilm has set up the like mixed media 
they won't be making books into films. Mm -hmm. Like the books are supposed to supplement the films and the TV shows. I don't Mm -hmm. think that they'll, I don't think their purpose in the Star Wars canon is to like be remade into books, at least not for another, like maybe 20 years or so. And especially like with a lot of the books centering around main characters, like they're not going to make Bloodline into a movie. Or Leia, Princess of Alderaan, into a movie. Yeah. Um, the only ones that I could ever see them like, oh, I guess we could turn this into a TV show or a movie is something like Lost Stars. Oh, yeah. Um, where these are created characters. They weren't previously established characters. Um, so, yeah. And in terms of, like, Knights of the Old Republic adaptation, I don't know how I feel about that. Mostly because, like, I mean, for the most part, Nice of the Old Republic is a pretty is is a linear game and your choices only have so much influence, but like it is a choice based game. Yeah. Um and I'm very much so a fan of a choice based game. And that doesn't get to happen within a movie. Um yeah. and so like I feel like if I watched a movie I'd be like, But that's not the choice that I made. <laughs> that's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> and the only way right now, honestly, that I'd be okay with Knights of the Old Republic becoming a movie is if Revan is a trans lesbian. Yes. Thank you, Jacqueline, for this Thank you, Jacqueline. <laughs> God bless Jacqueline. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, our friend Jaff slash dinner leader. I don't ever understand that name. Please explain it's it from, to us. It's from um uh Rogue Squadron. There was a squadron called Dinner Squadron. Oh, uh, that's why I don't know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our very tall friend Jeff says, Tool. Tool. Uh, what era, region, or subject in universe would you like to see canon cover that it hasn't touched yet or has barely touched? What medium would you like to see it in? Hmm. I don't know. I really don't know. Because I really love the Clone Wars era a ton, mm-hmm. but it's been beaten to death <laughs> mm-hmm. in every medium. Um, and it's going to be beaten to death even more because of the Cassian show, which I'm totally fine with. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think maybe if we maybe like a separatist like point of view, which we might get in, with the Cassian show if we go back that far mm-hmm. in his life. But I just think that would be interesting to see, like, because obviously, like, Palpatine was pulling the strings in the Republic and Dooku, and he was also essentially pulling the strings in the Separatist movement with Dooku. But, like, how did that go? Like, and, like, we've talked about this when we were talking about um, Queen Shadow with Mm -hmm. um, Senator Bonteri and, like, how long, you know, she, how long was she a puppet? Like, did she really believe in the Separatist movement? Like, how, what, what, what was that about? Like... I think that would be, I mean, it's still the Clone Wars era, so here I am. <laughs> still yeah. the same era, but I just am really fascinated by that. Yeah. I think, I don't remember, I feel like I've said it on the pod before, but something in relation to the Separatists that's very interesting to me is Separatists who became rebels. Um, and Separatists and people who were formerly part of the Galactic Republic having to work together and put aside their differences in order to come together like i used to like gun so hard for cassian to make an appearance in rebels um 
specifically so that he would have to work with the ghost crew because I wanted mm-hmm. to see his reaction to Kanan and Ezra. I yeah. desperately wanted to see his reaction to Rex. Rex? <gasps> uh-huh. His first action, like, within the Separatists was throwing rocks at, at clone troopers Yeah, when he was a kid. And it's just like, that's so interesting to me. The idea of these... Two people who are two uh, sides who have been at war for years now suddenly having to band together against a common evil. So that's something that's very interesting to me. Oh, my God. Now I need that. Right. So bad. I need Cassian to meet Rex in the mm-hmm. Cassian show. Right. Fuck. That'd Please be make this happen. This film. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our pod. Listen to us bitch about how we feel about what you're doing to and but also listen to us for storytelling ideas <laughs> yeah uh so ambush vin asked do you believe that the sith and the dark side of the force were designed to be viewed as evil yes yes <laughs> like i mean especially when we're talking about the light side versus the dark side like yes george lucas intended it to be like very, very black, black and white, and white. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no gray area. George Lucas did not come up with the idea of gray Jedi. I think the idea of gray Jedi is a little weird. It's dumb for many reasons. Yeah. So, yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. Yes. Next question. (laughs) Uh, Roman asks, what legends, characters, slash storylines do you guys want brought back into canon, if any? I don't know. Um, Mm. Tenel Ka is the only one that I can think of. Because I feel like she would be a great, well, semi-great representation for, like, mixed race issues. Hmm. Because she's, a, she's like, a princess or whatever from, like, a different culture. But she's being brought up as a Jedi. And it's very confusing. And she has, like, these two identities that she's confused by. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that always really fascinated me when I was reading those books as a kid. Um, but she's like a white lady, so mm. maybe make her brown. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, one of my first thoughts was like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to have Mara Jade and not in a position where she be, just becomes Luke Skywalker's wife. But then again, like she is a white lady and we don't need more white ladies. And I mean, they could just make her a, a black redheaded lady like they've done with MJ <laughs> and Ariel now. Yeah, let's and do can it. Make a whole other fandom scream and be racism <laughs> yep yep um also uh make courtship of princess leia canon oh god <laughs> why would you say that it's so bad <laughs> yes it is <laughs> oh lord oh, oh you know what else i really want to be canon because it's not officially canon is darth mm-hmm. plagueis the book mm-hmm. by james lucino i love that book so much and i really it's not canon and it bothers me because it, it needs to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about it contradicts any canon that's going on now. Like, they may as well just mm. make canon. Roman also asks, uh, favorite pieces of media, books, movies, TV shows, etc. doesn't have to be Star Wars, that made you feel seen? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of Sky slash Daisy. Is that yes. um, Chloe Bennett's character? <laughs> yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's mixed race, and her mixed they the way that they do her story is like okay she's half chinese her mom's chinese her dad is white but she's also of this mixed heritage in a much deeper level 
like she's part alien through her mom's mm. side type of thing. And that's why she has she gets powers and all this stuff. And like it's just like they make it and she's trying to bridge this gap between these two cultures in like more ways than one. And it's mm-hmm. really beautiful. It's really well written. And mm-hmm. it's my favorite. <laughs> I will oh, it will always have a place in my that's why I have a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> one of mine is uh Rosa in Brooklyn nine nine. Um when that whole episode where Rosa comes out happened, uh I cried. Yeah. It was very powerful and the reactions of her friends were very heartwarming. Like the later episodes where Terry read like a website of how to talk to your bi friends. (laughs) (laughs) And like Terry you weirdly using they them pronouns situations (laughs) like that were just weird, but it was hilarious. Um, but Rosa in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as well as, um, this one sounds a little strange, but Eleanor in The Good Place. Mm. So, like, it hasn't, it's not, like, quote-unquote confirmed that Eleanor is bi, but, like, she makes so many offhanded comments about how she might legit be into Tahani. Um, mm. And, like, it's it's not a big deal. Like, it's just normal. Like, okay, yeah, Eleanor, like, is in love with Chidi. She loves Chidi, but she also wants to bang the fuck out of Tahani. (laughs) And, like, that, I think, just that kind of normal, it's okay for Eleanor to say those kinds of things. Like, this casual (laughs) bi-ness was really cool for me to see. Um, Especially as a person who is in a long-term romantic relationship with a cis-heterosexual man. to be able to see another character be like, yeah, I'm in the relationship with this person, but like, I also want to fuck Jamila Jamil. <laughs> All right. Beretta asks, do you think we will ever get portrayals of sex workers in the Star Wars universe that doesn't involve them being slaves or immediately murdered? <sighs> My cynical side says no. Yeah, same. And <sighs> and that's because it's Disney. Yeah. As the parent company. Yeah. And I don't think Disney or even Lucasfilm, for that matter, would ever attempt to try and push push back on the stigma against sex workers unless, like, maybe somebody were to be like, hey, I'm a sex worker and I'm on the story group and (laughs) this is the kind of story that needs to be told. Um, Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I feel like I have done sex work adjacent stuff. In the past, um, and I don't feel comfortable like talking about that in front of a lot of people because of the stigma surrounding it, yeah. and I just don't see that stigma way. Um, yeah. I mean, like within like my community that I have made, <laughs> like it's not mm-hmm. a stigma. Like people are like, no, sex right. work is legitimate, and it should be protected and legalized and all of that and unionized and everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't see corporate America jumping on that bandwagon unless they find a way to make money off of it. Yep. That yep. Is family friendly or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we also just applaud Beretta for her um, Twitter name? Uh, currently is Aunt May Gets Dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I fucking love that. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> I had like an email notification pop up earlier. It was like, Aunt May gets dick, said something on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> God bless. 
I know. Get that dick at me. Get that dick. We love you, Beretta. You're the best. Yeah. Yep. Um, Darth Camus asked, who are y'all's favorite Star Wars content creators? Claudia Gray. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say Claudia Gray. E.K. Johnston is another one. Yeah. Um, Um, I'm going to say probably Zoraida Cordova. And Rebecca Rowanhorse. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I can't wait till their Mm -hmm. books come out. I'm so excited. Another uh, favorite Star Wars content creator, uh, fanfic writers. Yeah, I'm not. I need to. I need to do that. I need to oh stop gosh, reading okay. books and read fan. I, <laughs> I will send you a good list of recommendations. Please do. And if you're listening to this and you like certain fanfic writers, please send recommendations because I like get overwhelmed when I go on Ao3 and I think that's mm. what's been stopping me. I'm like, there's too much. What do yeah. I? Where do I start? And yeah. so um, I know Bria from. Um, Tashi Station has given me some really good recommendations, really nasty but great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, yeah, we are a okay with that. Um, or if you're old, uh, lemon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I love reading fanfic. Don't know where to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. I will send you a list. Please do. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie asks if you could exist in universe for one of the Skywalker saga films, which one would it be? Return of the Jedi. I might agree with you on that one. Sans Endor. <laughs> oh, that's the best part! <laughs> I will be either in space with Admiral Akbar or on a different planet celebrating. How's that? Oh God. <laughs> You're a party pooper. I just don't like murder bears. And people keep sending me gifts and pictures <laughs> of but Ewoks with like scary faces now. I'm looking at you, Emma. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Okay, no, listen, it is not as bad as Emma coming at me for hours saying that I want to fuck Yoda. I do uh, not want to fuck Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Emma. God, Emma. Emma. Are there questions? Oh, there are questions from Emma. Maybe we just shouldn't yeah. answer those. <laughs> oh, no. Emma asked really good questions. Oh, okay, fine. I don't know. What um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jamie also asked, um, which do you prefer, magic and myth or tech and science? Well, that's such a hard question. I like them I, both. I, oh, all four. I, There's four, not both. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm more of a magic and myth kind of person. See, I love super, like, hard sci-fi stuff, but I also love, like, fantastical shit and, like, yeah. witches and elves. and all. I love it all. Yeah. I'm in the sometimes I'm in the mood for super hard sci-fi, sometimes I'm in the mood for fantasy. Yeah. Like I it, the like one of the sci-fi things like super hard sci-fi things that I think of um is like Interstellar. I love that movie and its dedication to being as scientific as scientific mm-hmm, <laughs> as scientific as possible um while also having that magic and myth and you yeah. know um suspension well, of disbelief but i also just like you know sometimes fucking shit happens and there's no explanation for it but magic <laughs> yeah like i like hardcore love ian banks and all his books that are super sci-fi but i also love like tad williams who's like yeah. like tolkien-esque fantasy is like overdone <laughs> but mm-hmm. i still enjoy it like yeah Probably less so if I read it now, to be honest. I read that when I was very young. 
probably be like, this is too male, but (laughs) (laughs) too male and too white. (laughs) Um, Danny Heck asks, if you were in a Star Wars, what species occupation era would you want to be have live in? I'd want to be a Sith. I'd want to be a Sith mad scientist like Darth Plagueis trying to figure out how to live forever. Because if I had all of the resources in the world, I'd be different. Would you be in the Clone Wars era? Yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Oh, Jess, I can read you like a book. <laughs> what about you? Um, <laughs> I would like to be an Ewok. No, you wouldn't. You're just saying that. <laughs> I would like to be an Ewok in post-Return of the Jedi as a therapy Ewok. <laughs> and you would come torture me while I'm trying to, like path to immortality Uh yeah god (laughs) i hate you (laughs) i'm doing that just because just because because murder bears yeah great great (laughs) you're welcome um so holly over at rebel dispatch asked dream star wars disney plus show which character timeline and plot i kind of think you stole mine your Rex oh. and Cassian. <laughs> like, I, that, I can't get that out of my head now. I really want that. Yeah. One that I've been thinking of for forever is I would love a younger Leia TV series that's set, you know, not too terribly long before uh, the events of A New Hope, um, but also... Her, like, working the- in the Rebellion officially. Like yeah, but still also part of the Senate technically. Ooh, um, yeah, I want that with Cassian. Um, there's a theme here with Cassian. Yeah, um, but I <laughs> well... would love right. Like I would love the idea of Cassian teaching Leia subterfuge and spy tactics and all sorts of stuff like that that you need to know to be part of the Rebel Alliance while also being a prominent face in the current Senate. Um, I think it'd be really cool. I really enjoyed the, like, standoff that she had with Tarkin in Lampenron. Mm. Like, I would eat that shit up if they did that as a TV mm-hmm. show. Just, like, yeah. that political intrigue and, like, that, like, kind of understated hatred mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that Carrie Fisher would kill yeah if she was in the show with what's his name um peter cushing oh yeah. god why can't we be like 30 years ago because i wouldn't be here oh yeah <laughs> emma asks yeah, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> uh what female creatives would you love to see be handed a star wars show or trilogy hmm I have no idea because I don't know yeah. enough female creatives to be able to like pick them out and be like, I love their work. Let's do this. Actually, yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, because I Ooh, love everything yeah. that she's put out so far. That's a good one. Like she needs like a super like, uh, like, you know, open the fourth wall like Star Wars show like she does with I think that would be kind of amazing. Oh, okay. So the this isn't like story wise, but I would love um, Pinar Toprak. She did the score for Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, um, I would love for her to do uh, 
a score for Star Wars. Yes. Yes. I think that would be really cool. Emma also <laughs> asked, uh, what previously established characters deserve their own Star Wars story? Which I think we touched on with Charlie's question. Yes. Um, Ray Sloan. Ray Sloan. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much so wanting a Dr. Aphra thing. Yep. And I mean, I know she has her own comic series, but I would love for her to be brought to the general public more. Yeah. Comics is niche. Um, Sorry, everybody. Yeah. yeah. On screen is what matters, sadly. Yep. Yep. Um, Emma also asked, geez, any <laughs> questions? You've been given the opportunity to pitch an original story to Kathy Kennedy. What do you go for? I want, <laughs> I don't know how this would work, but I want some sort of medium where we explore mental health. <laughs> like, give me a TV show that's all about characters going to therapy or some shit, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Like a documentary style TV show of characters in therapy be animated. Cause obviously we don't have a lot of them with us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or the same age. That'd be rad. Or, um, a nature documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the various planets and species, as narrated by John Boyega, as he is already currently narrating some nature documentaries. I was going to say, Danny could headline that (laughs) show. Danny would be great. That show would be specifically made for Danny from Robot. (laughs) And as well, Danny from Encyclopedia. Yes, Um, yes. So... Um. Which I'm supposed to go on and talk about volcanoes, but I'm scared. Oh. I keep, I keep flaking. Do it! No, do it! <laughs> I, I was on Buster epi- Syndrome. <laughs> no, you you are a volcano, Jess. You know a lot about volcanoes. But I was on an an episode of Encyclopedia many moons ago to talk about Anne Boleyn, and Danny is the most easy person to talk to in the entire world. They are that like Danny's an incredible host. So do it. Okay. And also listen to Encyclopedia if you aren't already. Xander asked, who are your favorite Muppets? What? Yeah. Why is that a what question? What do you mean you don't know who your favorite Muppet is? Because it's been a really long time since I've watched Muppets, Abby. (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) I don't even remember, like, the actual Muppets. I remember Muppet Babies more than I remember Muppets. What the fuck? You don't know what Muppet Babies are? No, I know what Muppet Babies okay. are. I'm what the fucking you for... Uh... I like Swedish Chef. Oh, I love Swedish Chef. Hurdy, hurdy, chicky. <laughs> I say that to Charlie all the time. Um, I have a, a very special place in my heart for Gonzo. Oh, yeah. Um. Oh, who else? I mean, like, everybody loves Kermit the Frog. He's fine. That's classic. Yeah. Animal. I love Animal. <laughs> I love the Muppets. <laughs> I just haven't thought about the Muppets in, like, years. It was very, oh. like, it kind of threw me. <laughs> I love the Muppets. I think about them all the time. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> well, like, I, I, well, I say herd and oh. chicky to Charlie all the time. And I also sing the Muppet theme to him. I don't know why. I just sing the Muppet theme to my dog. 
<laughs> you also work with kids, so this I makes do sense. work with kids, but most of them don't know what the Muppets are. Yeah, Muppets are old school. I love Muppets. Yeah, I love the newer Muppet movie with Jason Segel. Um, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my god, <laughs> I love that movie. Um, so Billy made me watch the Murder Time, Ooh. whatever that movie was called. With it's like the adult Muppet yeah. movie. Yeah. And that was like the weirdest shit I've ever seen, but it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm really glad I watched it. <laughs> and also one of my friends from college was in it and that until I watched the movie. I was like, Oh my god. That's Cynthia. <laughs> I didn't know she was in this movie. That's pretty funny. Hashtag just um, California things. <laughs> yeah. Just LA things, really. Yeah. Um Swara asks <laughs> something about <laughs> something about Kylo being bald. No, Swara. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, whatever. Yeah. I don't even remember what the question was. I just saw <laughs> Kylo and bald and was like, okay, something about Kylo being bald. Whatever the question was, the answer is no. Shauna, who also asked an earlier question about uh, video game adaptations, asked, why are you so cute? Um, I do really <laughs> in a really extensive skincare routine. Yeah. <laughs> I drink a lot yeah, of water. Birth controls really, really cleared up my face. Um, I like to think I'm pretty good at makeup. Yeah, um, lipstick helps a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, I just have this sparkling personality. Yeah. <laughs> we're really smart. Yeah. We're really funny. We're really, we're really hot. Like, <laughs> we're really thirsty. <laughs> yeah. I love oh. that. When Shauna asked that and she's like, oh, sorry, that was weird and intrusive. I'm like, I love you. Mariana asks, sort a few Star Wars characters of your choice into hot houses and explain why. Leia's a Slytherin. Oh, yeah. Because I said so. Who do you, th- where do you think Kylo Ren fits in? Because mm. I don't think he's a Slytherin. No, he's not a Slytherin. I think he's a Fuck. Gryffindor. I think he's a Gryffindor, too. Oh, my he's God. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very Slytherin thing of me to say. Yeah, it was. And I love it. I love you for that. (laughs) I'm so glad we're in agreement on this. Kylo Ren is a Gryffindor because he's an idiot. Yeah. Um, He just acts and he doesn't think about it. Yeah. Later. Luke Skywalker is a Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, Let me think of someone random. Lando. Ooh. Slytherin? Yeah, I think so. He's very cunning and um Yeah, he like thinks things out. Han for sure is a Gryffindor. Oh yeah. Han's an idiot. That's where <laughs> that's where Kylo Ren gets it. Jen <laughs> uh, Urso. Ooh. Oh. That's hard. That is hard. Lot. Fuck. I think she might be a Gryffindor too. Are you looking up? No. <laughs> I hear you typing. No, you don't. <laughs> You're hearing things. I don't think You're... she's a Slytherin because I don't feel like no. she's ambitious enough. She's like very much like wanting to stay under the radar, but I also don't feel like that's a Gryffindor um, attribute either. She's hard. Yeah. I'm I'm looking and a lot of people are like, oh, I initially put her in 
Slytherin, but I also think she could be Gryffindor. She's probably one that, like, she's in between two yeah. houses. And, yeah. like, she, she would choose. be like, not Slytherin, no, Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fuck you, or, the best. since she'd probably be going to school, like, when she's working with Saw, maybe she would be Slytherin because she'd be like, I gotta be a spy. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I gotta, because she, I gotta, I gotta, um, falsify documents here. Mm-hmm. Who do you think would be a Ravenclaw? Because we've already identified um, a good couple of Slytherins, uh, a beautiful Hufflepuff, and some idiot Gryffindors. Who's a Ravenclaw? Uh, Luminara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Would fucking Yoda be one? Yeah, probably. Oh, that what is about cool. Obi-Wan? Ooh. Would he be a Ravenclaw? Mm, Obi-Wan's also kind of an idiot. But he's like more thoughtful, a more thoughtful idiot. Yeah, you're right. So maybe he would be Ravenclaw. I'm sorry if you're a Gryffindor. Actually, you know what? I'm not. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Slytherin. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, 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 not you. I'm talking okay. about or listen. I oh, know oh, you're right. Slytherin. <laughs> I yeah. forgot that this is a podcast and we're gonna real wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. I'm sorry, but you're an idiot. <laughs> Brooklyn from a Star Wars story podcast asked if Star Wars were going to do a musical movie slash TV show episode, what what should the subject be and who should write the music? Oh my god. I love god. this question. My first thought was how do we turn Star Wars into an already created musical? And I jumped right to Mamma Mia. Oh of course you did. Where <laughs> <laughs> Where Ray is the main character with her possible parents. Um, and it's all like Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Palpatine and Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I don't know who my parents are. Oh my god. <laughs> and then coming to the conclusion that it doesn't matter. And it's <laughs> all her dad. And that they can be one big happy family together. That's amazing. All sung to Abba songs. Uh, duh. <laughs> so that's that's my answer. If we're not going to go like an established route of um, the subject can be anything it wants, but the writers of the music would be ABBA. Which Star Wars film would you turn into a musical if Ooh. you had to turn any of them into a musical? Revenge of the Sith. Ooh. That would be best suited to like an operatic musical. I was thinking The Force Awakens. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Because I feel like the Revenge of the Sith would work well with like a Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis kind of vibe. Oh yeah, for sure. I was thinking like if, uh, The Force Awakens is more like comedy slash adventure mm. type. Nice. Good question, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Love Brooklyn's it. Brooklyn's next question is naps. Thoughts? I am pro-nap. Pro-nap. We are pro-nap on this pod. I love a nap. You should follow the nap ministry on Instagram if you don't, because napping <laughs> is um, uh, anti-capitalistic. So take your nap. <laughs> <laughs> take your nap at work. Yeah, take your nap if you need to. I have a couch in my office. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's dangerous. I legit took a nap in my car the other day. <laughs> like, Good for you. Nap on the clock. I totally took a nap in my car. It was great. I was so comfy. <laughs> I remember seeing this um, meme about, like, not crying 
outside of working hours. Like, you cry on the clock. Don't let capitalism win. I'm like, oh, I cry on the clock all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a crier. So everybody's aware. Like, I mean, my job is stressful, but I just, I'm a crier. So don't worry about me. I'm okay. I just like to cry. Fine. It's, it's much healthier than keeping it in. Trust me. Yep. Yep. I, can't, I can't cry. Uh, it's a problem. <laughs> Unless I'm watching Rogue One or like oh, something fictional because it's a safe space to feel emotions. Predictable. Yeah. Well, there's like a million layers of therapy we could get into. Right? That's like, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <Trust me. laughs> So Liam asked, what other podcasts do you recommend we listen to? I definitely recommend Rogue Podron and Book yep. Wars Pod. Um, mm-hmm. Great host. Yes, Sapphic. Um, um, a Star Wars Story podcast. Yeah. Desi Geek um, Girls. Lattes with Leia. Yeah. Um, Hard Knock Life, the Nerds of Color podcast. Encyclopedia. But why, though? Yeah. Some non-Star Wars and non-Star Wars Friends podcasts that I have. Um, I'm a dork and I really like the Try Guys. Uh, and they have a <laughs> podcast called The Tripod, which, I mean, it's just goofy. And like a yeah. good thing if you just want to fucking laugh. Like you don't want to think too hard. You just want to fucking laugh. Listen to The Tripod. The Good Place, the podcast, if you watch The Good Place, um, is a fantastic place to go to after like you've watched an episode. Um, it's hosted by Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Sean, and he always has on different creators, like different writers. Um, we'll sometimes have Mike Schur on. He'll have different actors. So like the core actors of like Kristen Bell and Jamila Jamil and Ted Danson, but also Tia Sarkar, who plays Sabine in Rebels, as well as um, her character in The Good Place that I can't remember her fucking name. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> I am a fan. Vicky. Vicky is what her name is. Um, but it, they also sometimes have some of the um, philosophers that they consult with uh, for episodes on. And it's just, it's really good. Um, it's just a really good space where they talk about the magic that is the good place. Um, uh, we're talking about non-Star Wars pods, the soundtrack show with David W. Mm. is really great, too. He talks about not just Star Wars. Um, John Williams, but like all kinds of Hollywood soundtrack scores, and yeah. it's really great. And then also um, Project Tahiti. If you like Agents of Shield, no. <laughs> well, yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't know, that's my other podcast with Jared at I Snow Nothing on Twitter, and we recap every episode. We're currently in season three, mm-hmm. and it's great. We have a good time. We're funny. Another one that I have is a, a podcast called Food Psych with Chrissy Harrison. Um, I've talked to you about this briefly, Jess, where I, I really enjoy the podcast because the host, Chrissy Harrison, always has a new guest on every single week. And they are all people within the health and wellness industry, the quote unquote diet industry. Um, they're all anti-diet dietitians if they are a dietitian mental health clinicians and you talk they you know talk about their relationship with food and disordered eating and eating disorders um which is something that I very much so relate to but the thing I remember talking to you about was like I really like this pod but it would also come 
would mean more if it was coming from a non-straight-sized woman. Um, yeah, and actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because the next podcast that I was going to recommend is Deep Dive with Dana Falsetti, mm. which is the podcast I recommended to you when you were talking yes. about this. And she is a fat yogi. She is white, um, but mm. she has a lot of women of color, fat women of color on as guests to talk about yeah. diet culture, the wellness space, um, mm-hmm. mental health, um, eating disorders, body image, all kinds of things. And like the fat um, positivity movement and how mm-hmm. it's just been co-opted essentially. Yep. Um, and it's like corporatized now. Um, she doesn't, she hasn't posted a new episode in time, but the episodes that she has archived are really excellent and she's just mm-hmm. really thoughtful and she's, she's young too. I think she's your age or maybe even younger than you, but she's just oh, really, shit. yeah, she's just really, she's a thoughtful person when it comes to stuff like this and her guests that she's had on like Jessamine Stanley, um, Diane Bondi, they're like big in the accessible yoga space. I'm a yogi if you didn't. <laughs> I mm-hmm. teach yoga. Um, but they're like black women that are like bigger in, in bigger bodies that are in the yoga space and they're like all about accessible yoga and like real yoga and like they are kind of like they work within the wellness industry, but they're also just like fuck this and fuck mm-hmm. colonialism and fuck capitalism yeah. and all that stuff. But yeah. yeah. That's another if you're, if you're a person that struggles with body image issues, like Finding podcasts that are like Dana Falsetti's are really great and ones that are about intuitive eating and mm-hmm. um, fighting against diet culture like shit's fucking hard but those kind of pods will help change your life. Oh absolutely. Um, another podcast that I listen to is actually Kimberly Crenshaw has a podcast called Intersectionality mm. Matters and I don't I think she um, but she has great guests on too. And mm. I mean, she's, if you don't know who she is, she is, um, a law professor and she coined the term intersectionality and mm-hmm. she's just a brilliant person. And I, yeah. I love hearing her talk about everything. She just like wraps it up in like an, a very like, ex- like accessible box to be like, Oh mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> that is how I feel about that. I couldn't put that into Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to a lot of like history and politics stuff. Yeah probably um hardcore history is something i've been listening to which is like done by a white man but every episode is like four and a half hours so it's like a commitment (laughs) (laughs) i just finished listening to his series on like japan and like how they how what led to them as a country becoming what they were like in world war ii and just like Mm -hmm. how different japan's culture is from like every other culture in the especially like a super world superpower. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, eight hours of listening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a commitment. <laughs> That's wild. I just started listening to this new podcast too. Oh, it's called This Podcast Will Kill You. It's basically, I've only listened to one episode so far, but it's about like microbiology and it's these two biologists, women biologists that talk about like, different things like diseases and things in the Ooh. environment and they have all kinds of like I think their latest one is about cystic fibrosis cystic fibrosis but they talk about vaccines they talk about Ebola HIV gonorrhea oh. all kinds of things and it's really fascinating as it works in the huh. health industry I'll have to tell Chris about that I feel like he'd really like that oh yeah and they have they're so good they have actual scientists 
podcast. They cite all of their okay. sources, which makes me so happy. They're, oh, they actually okay. read papers, cite them. Beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Um, another po- politics uh, podcast that I listen to is called Fake the Nation, and the host is Nagin Farsad. She's pal- um, she is Persian. Iranian American, Persian American, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think she identifies as Iranian American, um, but she's a comedian. And so other comedians on, like two to three comedians on every week to talk about like pop culture and like whatever is like current events or politics or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's usually with a liberal spin and it's usually hilarious. <laughs> Sarah asks, what's one thing you want to put your fist through right now, Star Wars or otherwise? So that's the first part A question mm-hmm. what's one thing you want to put your fist through have to pick just one um something that's been on my mind lately um so the state of illinois has this standardized assessment tool for um community mental health to use it's called the i am cans i don't remember what it stands for so don't ask um <laughs> <laughs> but um I do and I don't like the cans, but one of the things like when, you know, it has a whole like trauma module and it'll ask about various types of trauma. And one of the things that I've really realized that I see a lot of clients go through um, is the trauma of social injustice, which Mm. you and I know is very traumatic. And if you've been listening to our podcast, hopefully at this point, you know that the trauma of social injustice is very fucking real but like it's not a thing that's addressed in in the assessment or in a lot of trauma-based curriculum for that matter and it's very frustrating to see because like you know you you get kids who are dealing with the trauma of losing a loved one or the trauma of having grown up in a white patriarchal society and not being white and the self-image issues and the body image issues that come from that rather than just like oh well the media says you should be thin like the media also says you should be white and (laughs) like that's and that's not addressed in a lot of curriculum and in a lot of assessments and I want to be the person who fixes it but that's a lot of school yeah that I don't have the time or the money for but that's been something that I've been wanting to put my fist through and like something that I've just been like, fuck it. I'm doing my own shit. I don't care if it's technically evidence based, but like in- integrating trauma curriculum into social injustice. Yeah. I'm talking to my clients about that because no one else does. I appreciate that because that is a huge source of anxiety for me and depression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I talk about it constantly with my therapist. And mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I have stuck with her is because she gets it. And I think that's so important. I'm proud of you doing that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> What's something I want to put my fist through? Um, the United States healthcare system. Uh, <sighs> yes. Always. Which, always. But uh, particularly lately, um, California, California, um, it has been doing this. I don't know if it was technically a pilot program, if it was something they wanted that they had made permanent, but they're backtracking on it now. So basically, they made um, managed Medicaid a thing. So in medic in, in California, Medicaid is called Medi-Cal, 
Um, and so uh, basically third parties um, like LA Care, Care First, HealthNet, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with some of these names, um, they manage your Medicaid benefits. And it was supposed to be a way for the state to make money. Um, and apparently they're not making money off of it <laughs> because mm. Medicaid was not making the permit, even though they were getting federal um, money or to, to fund it. But um, this, it, it's not, it's it's basically not going well financially mm-hmm. um, for California. So they have decided to end the oh, managed Medicaid program and put everyone back on state Medicaid. I don't think it's happening for another couple of years, mm. um, but Medi-Cal has tons of restrictions on how, on yeah. how many medications you can prescribe, what they cover, what doctors you can see. A lot of doctors out here don't take Medicaid because they don't get paid for mm-hmm. their services properly and so they don't they can't afford to stay in business um mm-hmm. we just need to take like we need to make medicine and healthcare a nonprofit entity mm-hmm. in this country because things like that shouldn't be happening you shouldn't have doctors going out of business because they're taking medical like yeah. that's ridiculous Jeez. and so yeah it's this whole thing where everyone's freaking out and like they put um Medi-Cal put a moratorium on moving pharmacies um, to be contracted with them. So I have tons of pharmacies that I work with, with my job, that are have been waiting for their contracts with Medi-Cal to go through for over a year. So there's like all patients that can't use these private pharmacies <laughs> um, for, to fill their Medi-Cal prescriptions. They have to go to CVS or Walgreens or whatever. And so it's just like, okay, you're just funding corporate America instead of like trying to like empower like private business owners, small business owners. Mm -hmm. And it's just a whole fucking mess. And I've just been so frustrated with it. And I mean, there's a lot of other elements to the system that I'm frustrated with. I could spend like hours talking about this, Mm -hmm. to be honest, (laughs) but I don't know how to fix it. And it's something that I've. I like want to go to school for to learn how to do it. But honestly, like if no one's figured out how to fix it by now, like I don't really like there's much smarter people out there that are thinking about this all the time, like, Mm -hmm. and no one really knows what to do. So I don't know. It just really makes me kind of hopeless and kind of like, we're just fucked forever. (laughs) Like, because I don't. Gosh. Like I think, cause so Illinois also has managed Medicaid. Um, So this is like, your Meridian, your Illini Care, all sorts yeah. of Blue Cross Blue Shield community, stuff like that. Yeah. And like I'm thinking about so with my level of qualification, um, I'm not licensed yet because I haven't heard back from the fucking state as to whether or not I can take my fucking test. Um <laughs> but I'm a qualified mental health professional, a QMHP, if you will. Um and with that I can only take certain uh insurances in terms yeah. of my clients. So the only clients I can see are straight Medicaid or managed Medicaid clients. And with managed Medicaid, I know that it covers services better. Yes, it does. Um and God, I can't imagine the amount of clients that I would have dropped to if that were the case in Illinois, which I don't know if it is because well, and it's especially bad because a lot of kids are covered under Medicaid and managed Medicaid. Yep. A yep. lot of kids. Yeah. And so 
and a lot of old people, old poor mm-hmm. people, especially in California. Like, I think it's like over a third of the population is on Medicaid here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, a lot of immigrants, too, a lot of older immigrants. And they're limited to prescribing them six medications a month, Abby. Can you imagine you're a patient that has diabetes mm. and heart failure and your doctor has to choose six medications that are the most important for you? Like prioritize what you take. Yeah. Oh, fucking goddamn it. Yeah. And one of my doctors told me that he makes a dollar a month for each patient. Jesus Christ. Like how ah. is that sustainable? How is that sustainable? It's not, and I want to fucking put my fist through it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I said, I can talk about this for hours, so I'll stop. Part B (laughs) of the question is, to flip it, what's one thing, Star Wars or otherwise, that's bringing you joy? I guess piggybacking off of, like, issues within my field, like, they're... Man, I fucking love kids. (laughs) (laughs) They drive me nuts sometimes, and I get Gorilla Glue all over my hands, kid will spill glitter all over my floor but like it's these like it, you just have these little moments with kids and adolescents where suddenly they get something or they even get like something out of a, a menial conversation with you because nobody else is willing to have a menial conversation with them I, I don't know like there's a lot of shit that I don't like about my job that in terms of um outside macro factors that influence it like the kinds of insurance I can take and insurance dropping a lot of my clients at any given moment and you know trauma curriculums not focusing or having any idea that social injustice is a trauma but man do the kids I work with make it fucking worth it like they're awesome even the ones who sit in my office and don't talk to me for an hour like I come Mm -hmm. home tired and I come home stressed, but like I, I really like my job. <laughs> it makes me happy that I know that you're that is doing this job that feels the mm. same way. Because yeah. um, one day on the pod, I will tell the story of the psychiatrist that I went to, and there were a lot of children in his office, and that made me very worried because <laughs> he's probably treating them for like ADHD and mm-hmm. autism and everything. And great. Just great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one thing that's bringing me joy. Um, I just read this book called The Poet X. I read it in a day because I loved it <laughs> so much. It's basically, it's about this teenager. It's called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, it's about this teenager that's living in New York. She's living in Harlem and she's Dominican. And the entire book is in like spoken word slam poetry Ooh. style writing. And it's just about, about her being a teen and teen angst and like her dealing with religion and also her sexuality. Like not necessarily like just becoming like a sexual being not like Mm, mm -hmm. she's like exploring her sexuality but like her brother is exploring his sexuality her twin brother Mm -hmm. but just like her navigating her identity within religion and within her family very strict religious upbringing it just really spoke to me and just this medium of how it was written was so compelling and it was so different and I highly recommend it to anyone that 
I love slam poetry and spoken word. So mm. I was all about that. But it was just such a, I was crying at the end of this book. Like it was <laughs> so good. Just the, the whole journey that this girl goes on in like finding herself and um, learning how to live within that environment of like strict religious upbringing and still have a good relationship with her parents, which it's like, I still haven't found that yet. And I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Good for you, <laughs> character. I wish I would have read this when I was a teenager, but you still, you said you have one question. I do. Okay. So I was thinking about this um, on my ride home from work. Uh, I used to listen a lot to this podcast called Not Too Deep uh, with Grace Helbig. And for those who don't know, Grace Helbig is a YouTuber. Um, and I've fallen out of it just because, I don't know, none of the guests have been interesting to me. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the pod, Grace would ask her guests two questions every single time. And one of the questions always fucking killed me. I thought it was so funny. So the question is, well, it's not really a question, but the prompt is, <laughs> <laughs> tell us your worst pants shitting story in only three words or three small phrases. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nude modeling shoot. Oh, <gasps> no. And we're not allowed questions, which is the best part of it. But holy shit, that sucks. <laughs> I'm also I don't think I've ever told anyone that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I have so many questions, but I'm not going to ask them. Can I make one <laughs> qualifying statement to add on yes. to that? Yes. Don't take milk of magnesia Ooh. if you really don't need to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my heart hurts for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Mine is hungover. Don Taco, both ends. Oh no! <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a bad time. Oh no! It was a very bad time. Oh, if I had no. to add on a second small phrase, uh, a sophomore dorm room. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so like having to share a bathroom in a dorm. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm so glad you made me that and I'm really glad I've had a lot of tequila because I don't think I would have answered that <laughs> I love that that one always made me laugh Um, so we are actually going back to bi-weekly episodes because we're a little mm-hmm. overwhelmed at the moment mm-hmm. with work and moving and personal lives and things like that so yep. Um, sorry to everyone that was enjoying our weekly content. I don't know. Maybe we'll throw in like a bonus episode here and there if there's lots of stuff to talk about. We have to scream about Mm. something and put our fist through it. But the thing like when we started this podcast that we were both very adamant about was that our personal lives come first. Yes. So. And we intended it to be by we intended it to be bi-weekly, but we just got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's finally like real lot every week. Um, so yeah, we are going back to bi-weekly officially and it's like a good time to do it. Like we, like, yeah, for like three weeks, but yeah, so you're already used to not having, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, 
find Love's a Beautiful Town on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. And if you are a browser listener, you can listen to us on Podbean. Mm -hmm. uh, where can the good people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Abby M. Cecilia. And you can find me at Space Jess with four S's and Jess. You can find the podcast at LBT Pod. You can send us an email at lovesabeautifultownpod at gmail.com. Gmail <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for all of your questions. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That um, was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do that again. You guys asked really yeah. good questions. So thank you for not mm -hmm. just being lame and being like, what's your favorite Star Wars? Because we already answered those questions in previous yeah. episodes. So thanks for being great listeners. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh kylo ren is a gryffindor because he's an idiot yep the end gryffindors <laughs> are idiots <laughs> thanks for listening okay dream star wars plus or blah, 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 blah. i've had wine um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this or not, actually. I will talk about it, and then I will look it up to see if I'm allowed to talk about it. After. Okay. <laughs>